though. We couldn't talk to him. Uh, we couldn't look him directly in the eye. It's like people have been unleashed. He hit the brakes. If obviously gone like that, realised way too late that he wasn't going to make the roundabout. Um, we were looking after David Bowie. Actually, one, one night, I sort of jumped into the doorway and there were two guys um, rifling through the cupboards in the classroom. Hi everyone, Carl from Get Licensed Here and I am back with another big on security interview where we get security professionals to give their personal experiences, give some tips and advice for working in the security industry. And today we have got a treat for you because we have got security industry expert Rolo Davies with us. Carl, oh, thank Rolly. you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, how are you doing today? Um, I'm soaking wet. <laughs> I'm, I'm boiling hot. I've nearly fallen over four and a half times in the storm on uh, on Kennedystown High Street. I've parked seven miles away, and uh, apart from that, it's absolutely fantastic in every respect. <laughs> what, what a start. What a start. But we're here to bring it back. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot better now I'm here. Good. So I mentioned that you are a security industry expert. Ooh. Yeah, firstly, let's discuss the title, security industry expert. I've, I've been in the industry 33 years, and I've mm -hmm. done a lot. But calling me an expert always sounds like I'm going to be set up for a fall. <laughs> so, um, security industry commentator, um, an observer, and industry standards campaigner, uh, which is something I'm very uh, passionate about. But expert, I get a bit twitchy. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't <laughs> worry. Don't worry. We're not going to be setting you up for <laughs> for any falls today. <laughs> Much appreciated. Good. So, I mentioned you mentioned there that you've been in the security industry for over thirty years. Yeah, certainly three years since. Um, uh, leaving the police force. Mm -hmm. um, I originally geared all my education to becoming a fighter pilot. Wow. However, I'd stayed on into the sixth form and an interview I'd completely forgotten about that I went to about four months previously with NatWest Bank. Um, I got a, little, a letter offering me the job um, at a computer centre in East London in Ailey Street. I thought, oh, it's not really what I want to do. And then they told me what they were offering as a salary. Mm -hmm. And I started the following Monday. <laughs> so Money talks. Yeah, so my, my security career started in banking, mm -hmm. um, but did a couple of years and playing around with other people's money and uh, shuffling paper around the desk wasn't really what I wanted to do. No. And my father was a, a former police officer. He was a retired copper. My older brother was a copper. Um, so eventually I, I couldn't resist the gravitational pull of the police and I joined the Met in 1990. Wow. Um, I did a couple of years. Yeah. However, um, the, the, the police that was very Sweeney-like in my dad's day started to become, should we say, softer and fluffier. Right, yeah. And uh, I saw the way the job was going. It wasn't possibly going to suit me any, any longer. So after a couple of years, I thought I'd go now or I end up a slave to the pension. So I bailed out and went into the private security industry. Yeah, nice. And how did you find your skills transferring over from working in the police over to the security industry? Well, back in the day, an ex-police officer joining the security industry was absolutely lauded. <laughs> it was assumed that a police officer would be absolutely fantastic in every respect, in every aspect of the security industry. So I walked into a local security company, said, can I have a job? Um, as soon as they heard I'd been in the police for a couple of years, I was uh, made, made up to supervisor before I, I landed at my first assignment. Perfect. Um, I was a sort of site contract manager about six months later. And uh, so, yeah, being in the police force was with a bit of a golden ticket back then, which of course it isn't now. 
No. Um, it's very much being replaced by academic qualification. But no, as a copper, it did open doors for me. Um, so it was a good start. Yeah. You mentioned that one of your first roles was being a supervisor. What, what were you supervising? I was in a merchant bank mm -hmm. um, near Liverpool Street in the city of London. And we had day and night shifts. They stuck me on the night shift, get me out of the way. And I was working with two others. Um, I, I actually had the rank of chief inspector. Ooh. I worked for a company called Thorn Guarding. There's one of these organizations had epilepsy uh, and very police-like insignia talking about your rank. Mm. So I was a chief inspector on a night shift. And I had a sergeant and um, a basic officer working with me. And patrolling the building, as you can imagine, a lot of health and safety. Um, making sure the contractors were doing what they should be doing. Um, access control when we did day shifts was quite important. Um, but apart from that, it was, it was straightforward. A lot of responsibility, of course, but um, wasn't very demanding. So you mentioned there you got catapulted up the ranks <laughs> in the security industry. How did you deal with all of a sudden managing other security professionals? It, it wasn't quite as easy as I was making out. It was a bit up and down. Mm -hmm. um, I had to move sites a couple of times because contracts were, were lost and, uh, and I was reassigned. Uh, but man management is quite an important skill. It's not something they teach you in the police, really. And it's not something you, um, uh, you learn unless you specifically have a lot of experience or you take courses about it. Mm -hmm. And you've got to bear in mind, when I started in the security industry, there was no SIA training. Um, training was very much on the job. If you were lucky, you'd have an hour sitting in front of the television looking at a video about fire extinguishers. But that was pretty much it. You didn't get any in-depth training about man management. Um, luckily, it was something I, I took to quite well. Um, empathy is important. And making sure that people understand that you're willing to do everything you're asking of them. Uh, and if any of your officers have a problem, deal with it. And if you can't deal with it, don't lie, don't flannel, just explain why. That sort of engenders uh, respect, and it means that officers are, are far more likely to help you out when it uh, really counts. Yeah. So, um, it, it's management is a, a skill that I've developed over years, and it didn't come easy. But uh, so you mentioned there, back in the day, there was no SIA, there was no Security Industry Authority. What are your thoughts on the SIA and all the regulations they've brought in? Well, the reason behind the SIA and the Private Security Industry Act, of course, is quite valid. It was a bit like the Wild West back in the 1990s and 80s. Um, doorman that had criminal records doing all sorts of malfeasance and nasty things. And uh, the SIA and the Private Security Industry Act was pretty much set up to protect the public, uh, not really to advance the uh, security industry in any way. So, and when, it, uh, when the SIA came along, one of the stated publicised objectives was to increase people's salaries because the training would be so tough. Not, not many people would get the licences, and of course with supply and demand, uh, salaries would go up and it would be marvellous. However, as soon as the SIA came in and started throwing badges out, everyone seemed to be able to get one. Um, there was a massive, massive glut of security personnel. Salaries started falling. Um, the quality of security officers started to deteriorate and the SIA with what they thought um, was going to uh, be a system that would uh, increase salaries um, and quality of the security industry. Unfortunately, because so many SIA licenses were handed out, there was a glut of security officers um, and standards plummeted and we haven't really recovered from that situation today. No. And obviously now they've introduced the top-up 
courses for door supervisors, security guards, and CPs. Um, but with that, the good thing is, is that security officers now need basic first aid, which is a godsend. Every security professional should have first aid skills. Um, and also the act awareness. Mm. Yeah, I, I've got to say, the new training, and um, I've got my top-up training probably in about three or four months. Mm-hmm. Um, the feedback I'm getting from everyone that's done it, I said it's genuinely hard, it's genuinely complex, it's useful, it's valuable, whereas previous SRA training was a lot of common sense. Um, so yeah, and the, the addition of the first aid, of course, was a must. It was a, a massive omission when the uh, SRA was set up. But yeah, the, the training and testing has been massively improved. Uh, feedback has been good across the board. And I'm really hoping that uh, it's going to weed out a lot of people that don't really belong in the industry uh, by people just not being able to pass the top-up training. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you are struggling with your course, you know where to go and where to book it. Uh, weirdly, I've, I've had some good reports about Get Licensed. I don't know why that is. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why that is. And obviously, we've got the Guard Pass app with all the mock exams and everything like that. So I'm sure, I'm sure you'll pass with flying colours anyway. Yeah, as, a, as a bit of a sidebar, I, um, when I first heard about Get Licensed, I automatically thought it was something to do with the SIA because they have a thing on their website talking about getting licensed. And um, I didn't realise Get Licensed was, was a private... Um, security training network. Mm. Um, but when I spoke to the CEO and decided to come on board, um, I, I did my due diligence, obviously, and I spoke to many, many people that had done a whole range of courses with Get Licensed, um, and the feedback was overwhelmingly excellent. Um, and from a company I'd never heard of before, I was mighty impressed. So I was very happy to come on board and uh, uh, voice my views and uh, see if there's ways I can improve things. Yeah, well, you've definitely done that. And it's always nice for someone to come and toot our own horn for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers, Carl. It, it's not hard to do. It sells itself. Yeah, well, thanks. Um, so we mentioned before that, obviously, before the SIA, there was all sorts of cowboys and all sorts on the doors. Um, you've obviously, you must have experienced some, some crazy things. Oh, I've... Um... Some, some really silly things used to happen. Like uh, I worked in a, a small club on the Cromwell Road in West London, and uh, I think it was during Euro 1996. So every time a match had finished, um, there was people wandering the streets. They obviously had too much to drink, and they were looking for somewhere to carry on drinking. And that would be anywhere that's open past normal opening hours, so we'd have people trying to get in. Um, and there were only two of us on the door of this particular club, and about 15, 16 local Fulham football supporters arrived, highly tanked up, didn't take very kindly to being told they couldn't come in. I wonder why. And um, a fracas uh, ensued. Um, my colleague, who was a great guy, about six foot five, built like a brick outhouse, he ended up with a cash register on his head. I got hit with the pot plant uh, at the reception. And um, we'd backed up down the stairs to doors that only opened outwards. So we couldn't get to safety. So for about 10 minutes, we were being hit and punched and hit with plants. And they were looking, anything they could find at reception was being thrown at us. So it was, uh, yeah, it's all sorts of nasty things like that used to happen. And there's always been a, a slightly fractious relationship between the police and door supervisors. I don't know what it's like now because I'm sort of outside that part of the industry. 
But um, if you rang 999 and asked for help and said you were a door supervisor with a certain club, um, the police would find other things more important to do before they got to you. Yeah, you're um, on your own. Because they don't want to rock up at a fight that's in progress. So I can, I can kind of understand that. But prior to the SI, thing, things were tough. Um, they really were. They, things have uh, felt a lot better now, but there's um, always silly things that happen in security. Yeah. So how long were you working on the doors for? I probably did four years. Okay. Um, I, I did a few one-man doors as well, which I think are absolutely horrendous. Um, they should be banned. Mm-hmm. They were stressful back in my day. And now, especially with the increase in violence against security, now they're an absolute liability. Shouldn't be allowed. So that's one of the things I, uh, I campaign for. So what would you recommend is the minimum amount of door supervisors on a door of a bar or club per the capacity of the venue? Well, it, it, it is all based on capacity in the sort of venue, isn't it? Um, for, for restaurants with a late license, maybe a guy playing a piano in the side, two people would be fine. Um, I've seen fast food restaurants. They need two people as well, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen West End nightclubs as well with uh, a snatch team of five people in an office at the back of the venue, um, six people patrolling, actually wandering around the dance floors, and six people at the front. Um, and that's not unheard of. And that's, that's pretty reasonably safe. Um, you can't have too much security, but you certainly can have too little. Yeah, definitely. We'll be doing um, out on the streets videos, interviewing the public and asking people whether they would go into a nightclub or a bar if there wasn't any security on the doors. Mm-hmm. And as you'd expect, most people would be like, no, not a chance. It's right, since COVID as well. I think things have gone crazy. I know a couple of people who are security managers in sports venues. And they say that it's like people have been unleashed. And they're taking out all their frustrations from the uh, two years of, uh, of quarantine on the security officers. They can behave. And the feeling of entitlement and the lack of common decency and the deterioration of behaviour has just become absolutely horrendous. And it's something that uh, I think a lot of, lot of organisations are now looking at. And it is uh, causing uh, clubs, pubs and the like to, to increase their security just because all of a sudden, and it's quite a sudden thing, People have forgotten how to behave. Mm, yeah. What advice would you give to people starting to work on the doors? Um, start to work on the doors. Well, security isn't for everyone. Um, door work, you need to be empathetic. You need to know how to communicate, talk to people. There are people out there with attitudes. Um, doesn't work. They don't tend to last very long. No matter how big or small you are, um, try and empathise with the people you're talking to. And uh, when the muck hits the propeller, make sure you've got someone big standing behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so teamwork, teamwork is essential. The teamwork is, is really useful. Yeah. But it's all about empathy, communication. If you haven't got that, your supervisor it's not for you. isn't for you. No. And obviously, you've, I mean, you've worked in all sorts of different roles across the security industry. What would you say is one of your proudest moments? Oh, okay. Well, I've got a couple. And... Um, I don't know if this will cause offence, but we are in uh, we are in North East London, so I think it's appropriate. I'm a huge Arsenal supporter. In 1998, I was the uh, deputy security manager at the Comrade Hotel in Chelsea Harbour, the hotel that the Arsenal team stayed in for two days prior to hopping in their coach and driving to the FA Cup final that year. And um, 
because he had their cameras outside. And I had the pleasure of walking out um, at the front of the Arsenal team and uh, standing at the front of their coach as they as they got on board, uh, which is a video that I've almost worn out. Now. <laughs> it's me. But yeah, no, but being with the Arsenal team um, and looking after their security yeah. was was fantastic. And being Felt on, part of the team. Being on television, I, I thought, right, who's the most famous person in the team? Ian Wright, I'll stand next to him. <laughs> so, so, oh yeah, I'm going to get on television. Yeah. But no, and they won 2 0. It was all down to you because they felt obviously safe. Obviously, due to the safety and security they experienced at the hotel prior to their, their visit. 100%. 100%. More recently, though, if we move on from 1998, um, I was lucky enough to be part of a, a two person team with a guy called Michael O'Sullivan, who published basically the first magazine designed and targeted for. Frontline Security Officers, TPSO, mm -hmm. the Professional Security Officer magazine. Um, now, we expected it to maybe have a readership online of 5,000 in the first year. I think it, um, it got the 27,000 the very first time we checked the analytics, which was about six months down the line. And I got involved in doing some consultancy work with the SIA and uh, um, I got involved in um, doing some work with the Security Institute. And as a result of that, um, the IFSEC Global Organization and a panel of, well, obviously they're misinformed judges, um, ranked me the, the second most influential security professional in the world in wow. 2019, um, which was uh, amusing to my wife, who immediately said, do I want a badge? And at which point I said, yeah. She dived down to Clinton Cards, got someone's two-year-old birthday card, took the metal badge off it. There you go badge for you. Yeah, she wasn't impressed. She she calls me the most influential security professional at our end of the street, as long as you don't include the even numbers. <laughs> so yeah, she's not willing to be impressed by anything that goes on in the security no. industry. But no, that was a 2019 was a good year. I was also awarded the Security Institute's uh, Outstanding Contribution to the Security Industry Award as well. So they were... Uh, um, yeah, I, I was quite chuffed, very moved, chuffed, and probably a bit confused as well. But uh, yeah. So the so the title of security industry expert is well earned. It's, that's nice. You've got the you, accolades. That's nice of you to say so, but I never would myself. <laughs> Four years working on the doors, you would have come across a lot of drunk customers, a lot of annoying customers. What are the most annoying pet peeves that people used to do? in the queue waiting to get in? The most annoying thing about customers is customers, to be honest, just all of them, the public, it's grossly. A very wise man said to me, the security industry would be fantastic if we didn't have to deal with the public or clients. <laughs> um, the, it, people have a terrible habit at the drop of a hat of doing something completely crazy and out of the blue and unexpected. So you've always got to be alert to some extent, because uh, you never know when something horrendous is going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, it's all about situational awareness. But uh, e everyone is a potential source <laughs> of disaster. And if you treat everyone as if they're about to try and kill you, that's uh, that's going to keep you pretty safe as well. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, well, I mean, we've mentioned they worked on the doors, worked in banks. What other parts of security have you worked in? I've done all sorts of bits and pieces. My, my favourite, um, or, or one of my favourite, 
uh, roles in security was in five-star uh, London hotels. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I was lucky enough to work in a couple. Um, one was called the Hyatt Carlton Tower in Knightsbridge. The other was uh, the Comrade International London, which is Chelsea Harbour, outside town a bit. And uh, both of them had quite a reputation for um, looking after people who were in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. celebrities, film stars, stars of stage and screen, um, even sports stars. So um, I learned a great deal about VIP protection and uh, met some really interesting people. Um, we were looking after David Bowie, actually, one, one night, and um, we were li- liaising with his security, and we had a sheet of paper before he arrived. I said, we're going to have to talk to Tracy, who's, uh, who's head of his security. So like, okay, well, sounds like a, a nice girl. Obviously, sex is preconception. <laughs> We met Tracy two hours later. He was an NFL linebacker. He was about seven <laughs> foot tall. And I looked him squarely in the belly button and said, where's Tracy? So, um, I'm yeah, Tracy. <laughs> you meet a lot of interesting people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hotels was fantastic. I also really loved um, mobile security and alarm response. Um, I, I guess I've never lost that, that slight um, police looking for action kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So alarm response is absolutely fantastic because every call you get, you're never sure what you're going to be dealing with when you arrive. Um, I remember one particular time, it was about one o'clock in the morning, and I was called to an alarm activation at uh, a Roman Catholic girls' school out in Essex, out in Upminster. Uh, So I arrived, parked my car outside, grabbed my torch, grabbed some keys, went in, uh, unset the alarm, and lots and lots of zones have been activated, and that tends to indicate that there's been a lot of movement in the building. So it's not a spider on a motion detector. <laughs> um, so I grabbed my, my maglite, took a couple of deep breaths and started checking classes. And I heard a noise in a class in front of me. And um, I sort of jumped into the doorway and sh- flicked my torch on. And there were two guys um, rifling through the cupboards in the classroom. Oh, God. I caught them at a really bad time because I, I flicked the torch on. They obviously couldn't see me. So I thought, there's a couple of ways I can play this. I can practically run away, or I can go big and bad and see what happens. So uh, I said, right, um, security, you're under arrest. Stay exactly where you are. And they looked at each other. I thought, now, this is the time they're going to rush me, and I'm going to end up in bandages, waking up in hospital later. But they looked at each other, and I think they thought, um, he, he can't be on his own, yeah. surely. Yeah. So they, they sat down. Uh, put their head in their hands, had a little quiet discussion while I called the police right, who arrived in about five minutes and then kindly carted them off. So yeah, they, they surrendered to me, much to mm-hmm. my surprise. Yeah, thank God. And, and then you could have started doing other voices. <laughs> 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 Pretend you were talking to other people. Yeah, and I hope my torch battery didn't run out. And yeah, yeah. But uh, no, never a dull moment. Mobile security as well. You get to plan your shift. Um, because you should always vary the sites you visit and the times you visit them if you're doing random patrols. Um, I remember once I was heading down towards um, a massive warehouse in the Dagenham area, past the big Ford Works, it used to be at Ford Works. And I'm in a marked security van, security all over it, and a flashing orange light on the top. And I'm in a 40 mile an hour zone at the entrance to an industrial estate. Now, obviously, a group of kids had hopped in their car fresh out of a nightclub and um, whether they'd gone to play uh, drifting round the roundabout or mm. whatever, I don't know. 
But they weren't happy with me doing 40 miles an hour in the 40 mile an hour zone. So they pulled out and they overtook me. And as they overtook, um, they waved out the windows with the numerous hand gestures that you'd expect. Um, so I slowed down and let them carry on because they were so engrossed in abusing me. Mm. They hadn't spotted the roundabout 150 meters in front of us. Um, so I slowed down to an almost stop. And it was like a scene out of the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> He hit the brakes. He'd obviously gone like that, realised way too late that he wasn't going to make the roundabout. There was a squeal of brakes and the thing hit the bricks and went past a nice flower display that the local authority had done and sailed through the air and they landed on a wall on the other side of the road. And I thought, well, I better hang around just in case some of these idiots are dead. So I, I pulled up and they started climbing out of windows and moaning and so I had the shard before the moment of slowly driving past, laughing hysterically. Uh, and then I rang the police yeah. uh, and reported them for damaging roadside furniture in the accident and made an allegation of dangerous driving. Oh, so yeah, karma. Who, who's laughing now? <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're all okay yeah. as well. So, so, so weird and wonderful things can happen um, regardless of uh, uh, how the shift starts and uh, what you're expecting. Yeah. So going back to... We were working in security for five-star hotels. Oh, yes. You obviously met some big characters. Um, did you meet, was there any ever bother or anything like that, or was it usually quite tame? Well, we, we had to take that and the Spice Girls staying with us all the time, and you wouldn't call it bother, but teenage girls have an incredible way of finding ways into hotels <laughs> that you wouldn't believe. Prying open fire doors and, and climbing in through restaurants, uh, uh, balcony windows when no one's looking and we, we constantly find them rushing up and down the floors trying to find out where in the rooms that these uh, the guys and girls were staying in so that was a bit of a pain but we were pretty tight security wise and in situations like that we'd work well with um, the local estate security um, we'd have barriers put up 100 yards away from the hotel for fans to gather um, things like that so things never got particularly hairy but uh, we did meet some characters. Mm -hmm. um, Prince, for one, he was still the armed artist that wasn't formally known as a symbol later. Um, he was doing a, a concert in Earl's Court. So we stayed at the Comrade Hotel for about three or four nights, and we were given a list of things we couldn't do. Uh, we couldn't talk to him. Uh, we couldn't look him directly in the eye. Um, he, he couldn't sleep on a mattress. He had to sleep on hundreds of pillows just thrown across the floor. And uh, he was traveling with his own personal stylist. So they needed 24 hours a day access uh, to the hotel uh, hair salon. So I'm doing a night shift, two o'clock in the morning, we get a call. Um, Prince's stylist needs the hair salon open. So go up there. We open it up and the stylist goes in, comes out about five minutes later. She's like, oh, no. oh it's a disaster. I'm like, oh, what's the matter? And she produces a pot of hair gel. She's gone this. It's far too cold. I expect the, I'm like, right, okay. Leave it with me. So I crossed the lobby into the back of house area, through to the kitchen, and I microwaved his hair gel for 30 <laughs> seconds um, and then returned it. She's like, oh, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. So yeah, the stars are absolutely great. And I've taken Pins up to his room later that uh, after he'd had his hair done. And okay, I'm not making eye contact with the guy. But there were glass insides of the lift doors, so I couldn't really avoid it. Mm. And um, when he gets nervous, he started banging his cane 
on the on the floor of the lift to uh, signify his displeasure. I started to giggle. <laughs> and, uh, we set him off. So by the time we got from the ground floor to the sixth floor, we're both in hysterics. Uh, don't know why, really. But uh, no, some celebrities do really funny things. Like Definitely some experiences. One or two. <laughs> so um, obviously you've, you've worked in security for ages. You've come across all these crazy scenarios. It is mental health week next week. And these scenarios, they can obviously affect security professionals. Security professionals are dealing with all sorts of things day in, day out. Um, what advice would you give to security professionals, especially, especially during this, the Mental Health Awareness Week? I, I am massively pleased that mental health has become such an issue within the security industry. And it's something that's been uh, growing uh, quite wisely over the last two or three years. In the security industry, of course, you're working antisocial hours. Are you working long hours for potentially not a great deal of money? So there are stresses and strains on people's family life. Uh, there are financial issues almost across the board. And a lot of the time there's a combination of both of those things. But um, at least now, people are becoming more aware that it is a problem in the security industry and not just something the armed forces and police have to deal with. Um, the, the two bits of advice I would give to anyone who was in trouble Firstly, don't keep it to yourself. There is no stigma anymore to say, I'm having, I'm having problems, um, I don't know how to cope, um, life's getting really tough. Speak to people. There's a lot of help out there. Let people know what's going on. Secondly, keep an eye on the people you work with. If everything's okay with you, just maybe there's issues with them. If their behaviour changes, they're a little bit aloof, they're a little bit stand backish. It doesn't hurt to say, how's things? How's things with you? It doesn't hurt to keep asking that until someone comes up with the truth. People are a bit reticent to, uh, to say or admit there's a problem. They think it might be a sign of weakness in the, what is still quite a macho industry. So ask. Ask your friends if everything's okay with them. And if it's not okay with you, let people know. Yeah. And is there anything that security companies themselves can be doing to look out for their employees? There's all sorts of welfare issues and things are, yet again, getting better, I think. Um, there's now mental health first aiders um, that are all over the place. Now, I don't exactly know the content of a mental health first aid course, but a lot of big sites will have someone designated as a mental health first aider who will be the first port of call for anyone who's having trouble. Um, things like sufficient breaks as well, people having their rotors a long way in advance so they can plan a social life around it, um, all sorts of things that companies should be doing anyway uh, are now becoming um, almost standard across the board. So th things are improving. Yeah, good. Well, we do actually have a mental health awareness course on the Get Licensed website. I think it's currently £25 um, and it's also part of the CV booster package. So if you are struggling or if you're a company and want to get your train, your staff trained um, on mental health awareness, check out that course. It could, could be more important either at the moment. It would be immensely valuable, so I couldn't recommend it enough. The security industry isn't for everybody. You need to have the desire to protect people and property, which is, in a nutshell, what it's all about. Um, you need good communication skills. Um, you need empathy. You need observation skills and situational awareness. You need to know what's going on around you. If you haven't got any of those things, don't join the security industry, please. 
But if you want to get on, talking about training, the absolute best way to signify to an employer that you want to progress your career is taking additional training. The mental health awareness course you just mentioned, um, there are COSH courses, fire marshal courses, there's a whole wealth of really useful and relevant uh, courses that you can take now, um, all on the Get Licensed website, and all of which will signify to an employer that you're engaged uh, and that you're committed to the industry. So, and that counts for a lot. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned there all the additional courses you can do to make yourself stand out to employers as well and to progress through the ranks. What would you say you look for when you're looking to hire new security staff? First of all, communication skills. Do they come across well? Because they need to come across well to the public because they'll be dealing with the public in numerous circumstances, almost universally, you can guarantee it. So how does someone come across? You have to look at someone's work record. They need to be reliable as well. Security doing 12-hour shifts, if um, your relief doesn't arrive without notice, then as you know, every second you work over that 12 hours feels like another hour. Um, so it lets, lets your employer down and it lets your colleagues down if you're not reliable. Um, you have to be honest. You're working in a privileged situation. You may find out a great deal of information about your client um, that can go no further. You can't use it from your own benefit. Um, you can't use it to exploit a situation. So honesty and integrity is fundamental as well. But moving on, as I say, it's all about training. Even if someone comes up to you as well, if, as an operations manager, if someone came up to me and said, listen, I want to get on. I want to improve my career. I'd like to be in management. Then the first thing I do, I sit them down. We find out what exactly they want, where they want to be in a year, where they want to be five years down the line. And we develop a professional uh, development plan, which would give them lots of ways to achieve their goals. And every month or every two months, we'd have a look and see if they were doing what they've been asked to do. And every month is a step closer to getting where they want to be. So if you want to get on in the industry, make sure that people that can help you know you want to get on in the industry. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned there that honesty and integrity is very, very important working in security. I said if you're working in CP, you could be working with high-profile celebrities. You could be working on the doors. You could get bribes, all sorts passed your way. Um, in your experiences, have you ever been offered bribes or something, a little backhander for things. We were talking about this a little while ago, and, um, well, bribes, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I absolutely don't. I know there have been a lot of issues recently in the, in the news where um, door supervisors have been accused of taking bribes to let people into certain venues um, that had caused well, huge problems. Um, but... In all my time in the security industry, I've never taken a bribe and I've never come across anyone that has. So I don't think it's endemic, um, but I know there is a problem. And frankly, um, I can kind of sympathise with certain door supervisors that will take a backhander just because the job is so tough. There is so much responsibility for so little reward. So I won't condone it. I'd never do it but I can understand why some do. Well, good job for not taking one. <laughs> <laughs> However, if you want to give me 20 quid. <laughs> yeah, you weren't bribed to say all the good things. <laughs> so going back to obviously what companies look for when they're hiring staff, you're quite heavily involved in the recruitment process 
and work quite closely with the HR departments for numerous security companies. Um, what kind of tools do they use to hire their staff? Well, first of all, Jobs Board. Uh, jobs Board, the things like Indeed and Total have been um, the industry standard for years and years and years. But you may take days to get your first response to an Indeed uh, job ad. Recently, I've uh, tapped our HR manager on the shoulder and said, listen, get licensed, have their own jobs board. It's designed specifically for the security industry. It hasn't got the waffle or the generic rubbish that you find in all the other uh, jobs boards, and it has an immensely fast response. My, my HR manager, Hannah, she goes, oh, no, well, I don't know, it's a bit, just do it. So we advertised a job uh, in Crawley, and the first response came in, I think, six minutes after the ad went live. And they'd had more response by the close of business that day than they had for the previous job they'd advertised with Total um, for about a week and a half that it yeah. was running. So yeah, get licensed. We, we use their jobs board a lot. And yeah. Very useful it is too. The guard pass, guard hire. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the quality of the candidates as well, have you found that the quality is better or? Well, the thing is, because people are going to the Guard Pass app uh, to apply for their jobs, there's many things you know about them that they're already, because they probably come through the get license training process, uh, which means they're going to be very, very well trained. They're going to be engaged because they've downloaded uh, the Guard Pass app um, and probably looked at all the bits and pieces it has. So you've already ruled out a lot of the, the, the time wasters or the, the dead wood. Um, so yeah, people that come via the Get Licence app tend to be engaged, tend to be more professional, have a better outlook. Um, so yeah, we, we, it hits the ground running when we get an application via Get Licence. Yeah, we were recently at the professional security event in Birmingham. I talked to lots of companies who are using Guard Hire at the minute and their key feature was the fact that we've got the video intro profiles on there. So everyone who downloads the Guard Pass app creates their profile, um, they can do a little video introduction to themselves so they can highlight the skills that you mentioned before, communication skills. And then the employers, when they apply for the job, can see how well they can actually communicate. Yeah. It, it's fantastic. It really does save a lot of time. The, the, one of the big reasons for the, a face-to-face -face interview is to see how someone presents themselves and see how good their communication skills are. That can be done in a 20-second uh, video on the Get Licensed app. And it's, um, yeah, it saves a lot of time. You can, okay, you, you probably wouldn't hire someone solely on uh, watching a 20 second video, but you certainly would eliminate a lot of people that you would have otherwise called in for interview. So, yeah, it couldn't be more valuable. Yeah. There are other parts of the Guard Pass app, of course, um, that look at vetting, um, uh, training, and recruitment. Um, our managing director is being, uh, I've heard him in the ribs a few times now. I don't know if he's been having a chat with your CEO, and we're, uh, we're going to be onboarding um, just about every aspect of uh, Guard Pass for employers. It's a no-brainer. It saves time for our HR department. It's easy to use, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a win-win. Especially for large companies who need to, they've got offices all over the, all over the UK who can get them trained. We've got like 85 locations, um, all the training partners we work with. So like I said, it is a no-brainer. I know you work with Mighty Security as well. They're a, they're a big um, user and a fan of uh, Get Licensed Guard Pass. Um, we also work with Mighty Security quite a, quite a bit, um, providing uh, 
staff and working as service partners in all sorts of different sites across the UK. And it was uh, a lot, lot of their influence that steered us towards Get Licensed. Yeah. But um, no, it's a, it's a fantastic system, saves time, saves money. What else do you need to know? Really? <laughs> That's it. That's it in the shell. <laughs> There's our guard pass ad right there. <laughs> okay, so we mentioned right at the beginning, you've been in the security industry for over 30 years, 33 years. So what we're going to do today is we're going to test to see how much you remember about the security as a whole, as a whole. And uh, we're going to go through some of the mock exam questions from the door supervisor course using the GuardPass app. You didn't okay. get the check, did you? <laughs> right, okay. I'd just like to point out before we start that it has been 20 years since I've done any SIA training. And um, I'm on a very, very strong cough medicine. Um, You're going to be fine. Okay. You're going to be fine. Oh, if you'd God. been doing your refresher mock exams on the oh. GuardPass app, you would probably know all of these. <laughs> but okay. And of course, if it's a complete disaster, you can always edit it out, yeah? <laughs> yes, yes. And I'll tell you what, if you do get all three right, we will give you access to all five of our CPDE learning courses. There's stuff like fire marshal training, there's the mental health awareness course in there. There's a bunch of courses in there basically, um, which you can just refresh your knowledge. I know you're obviously not looking for work in the security industry, but <laughs> it's good It's good to keep your knowledge up to date. Yeah, yeah, knowledge is power. One of the things I advocate is CPD, Continuous Professional Development. Exactly. Not just for management and leadership types, everybody at every level. It's always good to keep up to date with what's going on in the industry, um, even attending industry events or uh, joining industry membership organisations like the Security Institute or the IFPO, um, all have lots and lots of benefits and they all help you uh, keep up to date with your knowledge. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, after this, I'm sure you'll be revisiting. <laughs> I was trying to waffle there, forget that. By time, quickly revising in your head. <laughs> Right. No, 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 you're going to be fine. You're going to uh, be fine. Okay, so the first question is, which of these is a physical block to communication? Uh, so physical block. Hmm. Fear, a noisy room, a person's appearance, or embarrassment? That's going to be a noisy room. It is, it is. That was actually quite a tough one. Oh. Well, as long as I get easier from now on. And breathe. One down. Okay, the second question is, a common trigger of aggression is when a person is surprised, loses face, feels understood, or is made to feel welcome. When they lose face. When they, they lose, lose face. The plot. They Nice. Yeah, I like that. It's yeah. a good way to remember that one. <laughs> And for the final, the final question, here we go. How can a security operative deliver a win-win resolution to a conflict situation? Is it by achieving an outcome that satisfies everyone, even if it is not the ideal solution? Discussing the situation with a customer and changing their point of view? Referring the customer to the organization's procedures and telling them to make a formal complaint? or by involving other security colleagues in this situation so that the customer is outnumbered? 
Yeah, well, the last one is how to start a fight. Uh, <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. So I'm going to go with option one. Yes, by achieving an outcome that satisfies everyone. I was about to say that. Yep, they were all long answers, to be <laughs> fair. I would have been very surprised if you remembered them all. Thank you for that. Well, there's all three. So there's the CPD courses for you. Okay, so good job. You've got the CPD courses. But I'm going to throw in a bonus question here. Oh. A bonus question. And I'll give you something from the Get Licensed shop. Oh. Maybe maybe a nice LED torch. I like or the torch. We've got some cool security caps as well. Oh. I'll throw them your way. We have to answer this question correctly. Uh-huh. Okay, so where should security companies go to start hiring, vetting, and training their staff? Guard pass from Get Licensed. It's a system that uh, makes life easy for security companies. Um, it speaks their language and it just solves so many problems that your HR and admin people have. So check out Guard Pass. Yep. I mean, that is the correct answer. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, so I think we've absolutely we've covered so much there. Um, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. I'm sure everyone watching. Well, I've learned so many, so much about the security industry and obviously hopefully had a giggle on the way. <laughs> if, if one person has learned something useful, then I'm a happy man. Go there you on. go. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.